Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. This is universal. It's unavoidable. Everyone goes through it. You've experienced it in your past. Some may be going through it right now. And we'll all experience it in the future. Most resist it. Sometimes it's great, and sometimes it's not. But regardless of our feelings towards it, it's a part of life. What I'm referring to is change. Change is happening all around us, to ourselves, our families and friends, to our cities and to our world. Some change is great. We fall in love, we get married, have kids. We buy homes, we find jobs, opportunity and success. This change feels amazing. It's like a roller coaster that you actually want to ride. But not all change is like that. Change can also be hard, really hard. Change can feel like a storm that has no end, like endless waves that just keep crashing and crashing down. It can feel like a weight so heavy that you find it hard to carry on, or like a wind so destructive that it rips apart everything we thought we knew and felt safe with and makes it unrecognizable. So how do you respond? How should we respond? How do you get through our storms? How do you live, even thrive, within change? Hope. We need something strong. We need something constant firm, and secure, an unchanging hope in an ever-changing world. We need to be anchored. So, good morning. We are, um, we've just launched into, we've begun our, our new series, Anchored. Unchanging hope in an ever-changing world. Um, I want to start out by just sharing a little personally, um, just regarding the journey of the past, it's been a year and a half now. A year ago, uh, well, no, a year and a half ago, January of last year, um, I, was, uh, I was contacted by our district supervisor, um, Rob Haddam, for our district, for the Northeast District. And... Rob had, um, he wanted to sit down and talk, and when the email came at first, he, you know, he was offering to bring me to this nice steak place down in Manchester, and I thought, okay, they, they don't do that unless they're really going to ask you something. Um, and the, so we ended up, because we were fasting at that time, um, we, um, we, we ended up meeting for a nice salad in Concord. Um, but in our meeting, um, Rob sat with Kim and I, and 
extended an offer to be able to go and, and uh, be the senior pastors at a, another church down in Massachusetts. It's a church that we had history in. It's a church that 20 years ago we were married in. Um, and in that time, um, I, just, I have, over the years, been offered by different people, you know, different opportunities to go and serve um, and, and lead other churches. And in each of those previous offers, I just felt the, just, you know, I don't even need to pray about this. Just, no, thank you. I know I'm right where I need to be. I know, I know right where I'm supposed to be. God has planted me here, and I'm not supposed to go anywhere. In this case, for some reason, the Spirit of God was just saying, honor the process. Walk through this. Seek me out. And so we did. And we, we contemplated, we prayed, we fasted, we cried, we labored. It, it, was, it was a grueling period of time. And over a couple months praying and, and talking with you know, the, the other church and their council and going down and speaking at this church and having others around us that were praying for us and carrying us through it, uh, there, there, there came a time where I was able to... It's funny, I was in the shower and God spoke to me. Uh, just brought a verse brought a verse to my mind. And it was, it was with clarity that I knew our answer was no. And that we were to stay right where we are. It's a, yeah, this isn't an announcement. <laughs> this was a year and a half ago. Um, so, <laughs> so, so I knew that I was able to give the answer no. And I was able to, and you know, the first person I went to was Pastor Peter. And just to, you know, to let him know, you know, the, the answer is no, Peter. We're, we're staying. And in that, um, because we had taken the time, um, Pastor Peter is a planner. If you know Pastor Peter, or if you remember Pastor Peter, Pastor Peter is a planner. And in that time, it was, Kevin's taken a while, so you know, start reorganizing now in my mind and get things going. And, and through that, you know, my, my response to Pastor Peter, you know, I, we're, we're staying. And in that, he was already planning to come back from Manchester to come back to Pembroke. And so there was, it, was, it, was, it was met with some um, hesitancy, not the joy that, you know, like, all right, let's go. Um, it was met with a little hesitancy in the way of, okay, well, you know, I, I've, let's talk this week and, and work out how this will work. And, so, you know, here I am thinking, like, and bubble was burst a little bit. Because I wanted the excitement, the fanfare, like, yes, Kevin's staying. And it wasn't necessarily that. It was more of, okay, let's figure out how this is going to work. Um, and so that week we talked and, you know, we, we figured out, okay, you know, like, yeah, we, you know, we're, we're going to learn to dance so we don't step on each other's toes and we're going to figure this out and we're going to make it work. And towards the end of the week, we had another conversation, and it was more of, you know, I just, I'm realizing, Kevin, you know, God has a calling on your life, and, and he's, 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 he's given you certain, you know, skills and abilities and gifts, and you, there's, there's, a friend of mine told me one time, um, any being with two heads is a monster. And, and in that... In that, that made, that made clear sense. And so at that point, it was like, and, you know, kind of the, the roller coaster ride was on its way back down again. Like, okay, no, we're going we're gonna to need to leave Grace Capital because if Pastor Peter's going to be the senior pastor and he's going to be located in Pembroke all the time, how is that going to work? And so that began then the, the search. 
And I'm, I'm well connected within Foursquare, having served on the cabinet uh, for Foursquare and, and just being in different roles that I've served with the, with the denomination. And so I was able to reach out to different district supervisors and, you know, hey, I, I, need, a, I need a place to call home. You got anything for me? And over the time, there, there, were, just, there were responses of, you know, hey, let's, let's talk in a few weeks, or I got something coming down the, down the road in a couple months, or, and nothing was coming to fruition. Nothing was happening. And so, like, okay, now, like, we've got we've to leave Pembroke, we've got to leave Grace Capital, and we're on our way down the, the downward slope into the pit of, like, depression, because does anybody even want us? And, and feeling that way and just wrestling with that. And Kim and I, like, sleepless nights in that. Just wrestling with, you know, God, what are you doing? What are you trying to show us? What are you... And then Peter, uh, Pastor Peter and Lisa came back from vacation, and they had been praying that whole time um, while they were on. It wasn't really vacation. It was more like labor in prayer for them. But they heard clearly from God that they were the ones to go. And in that, it was like the, the roller coaster, like they're, now they feel called. And so, Kevin, we need you to stay. And so the roller coaster, like back up. And just like the year and a half, well, the, a year really, the, the year process, it, w- it was grueling. It was, it was hell. The ups and downs and wondering what is going on and where are we going to be and what. And all the, all the same time, you ever know that you know that you know that you're supposed to be someplace, but yet everything is pointing in the opposite direction and everyone is saying the opposite thing, you know, no, you've got to go. That's the tension that we found ourselves in. That's the, that's the place that we found ourselves in. And knowing that God had promises for us, knowing that God spoke some things clearly to us, that we knew we were supposed to be where we are, um, and yet everything pointing in a different direction. I don't have to play the whole Paul Harvey thing. Like, you guys know the rest of the story. Here we are. So, I want you to open your Bibles. Because I think all of us can, can find ourselves in a place. Open, yeah, I said open your Bible. Like, okay, it's open. <laughs> open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter 6. And as you're doing that, I, I know that each of us at different times, different places, different seasons of life, we, we wrestle with that. You know, we, we don't see the promise that God has made fulfilled. And in that, we, we let go of the hope. We let go of the hope that God is going to fulfill that promise. We wrestle and we, we begin to lose faith. We begin to lose hope. We begin to fall into despair. Now, if we know that God's promises are true, then they, they've already been fulfilled. Even if we have not yet seen the fruit of it, God's promise, if he says it, it's done, and that's it. But when we don't see the fruit of it, there's that, like, okay, I can't, I can't see it. Remember, faith is the substance of things unseen. We don't see it, and so we lose faith sometimes. We lose hope. Hebrews chapter 6, beginning with verse 13. The certainty of God's promise. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself. Think of that. You know, like, you know, how many of you as a kid on the playground, I swear to God, that I'm the best kickball player. Pick me. 
You know, I swear to God, Mom, I took out the, the trash. Uh, really? Um, God had no one greater to swear by than himself. So he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you. This is God speaking to Abraham. Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. He guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, hear that, it is impossible for God to lie. He who have, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. God made a promise to Abraham. The promise was all that he would, he would multiply him. His descendants would be like the sands in the desert, the stars in the sky. God made a promise, well, to Abram, because at that point he wasn't Abraham yet, made a promise to Abram. Abram was 70 years old when God made this promise to him. 70 years old, and his wife was, uh, I think, 55 at the time. No, 10 years younger, so she was 60. Sarai and Abram. 60-year-old woman, 70-year-old man. No kids, but they're going to. You're going to have children. Your descendants are going to be like the stars in the sky. The promise was made, and 11 years after the promise was made, at age 75, Abram had a son. I'm sorry, at, at age 75, the promise was made. At age 86, 11 years later, Abram had a son. But it was not from Sarai. It was not from his wife. 11 years after the promise was made, age 75 to 86, 11 years, nothing's happening. I'm sure, you know, <laughs> I'm sure Abram was enjoying the practice. You can laugh, it's okay get so uptight and uncomfortable about that. <laughs> Husband and wife, I'm sure. But 11 years later, there was frustration because there were, there were no children. There was no child. And so Sarai, his wife, concocted this plan that Abram would sleep with her handmaiden, Hagar. And she bore him a child because Sarai didn't see now, 11 years later, she lost hope. She lost faith. This promise, what kind of a promise? You know, 11 years later, still nothing. And so she makes this plan. We're, gonna, we're going to make God's plan be fulfilled. Anyone ever try that? How's it go? 
Yeah. So Ishmael was born. Ishmael was the son of Abram and Hagar. Interesting note, and this is just a side fact, but this Ishmael is recognized by Muslims as being the forefather of Muhammad. Muslims also believe that Muhammad was the descendant of Ishmael that would establish a great nation as promised by God in the Old Testament. When you run ahead of God's timing for the fulfillment of his promises, you can create Ishmael's in your life. Don't run ahead of God. Trust that his promises will be fulfilled in his timing. 25 years later, at 75, the promise was made at 100. At age 100, Abram and Sarai had a son named Isaac. 25 years after the promise, Abraham patiently waited, not for a few days or weeks, but years, 25 of them. Patiently wait, hear me, patiently wait and obtain the promise. Patiently wait. If God has spoken something to you, if he's given you a promise through his word, if there's been a prophecy that has been proclaimed and spoken over you, patiently wait and obtain the promise. Don't force it. Don't try and make it happen on your own. Allow him in his timing, his perfect timing, to do what he needs to do. But think about it. 25 years after the promise, Abraham and Sarai, I'm going to mess up the names all over, like the orders, but it was Abram and Sarai, now it's Abraham and Sarah. Give birth to Isaac. 25 years after the promise. What was the promise that God made? That, that his, his, his descendants would, would be like the stars in the sky. 25 years after the promise is made, I'm thinking, I've at least got two generations of kids now. You know, I've had kids that are now having kids. They're not going to wait until they're 70 years old. 25 years after the promise, Abraham and Sarah have Isaac, one child. Think about it. They're, they're laughing because it is... It's, it, 25 years after the promise that's made, I will make your descendants number like the stars in the sky. 25 years later, they have one stinking kid. And a promise. 25 years later, they have one child, Isaac, and they have a promise. We need to learn how to hold on to the promises of God much more tightly, understanding wholeheartedly that He will fulfill His promises in His time. How do you respond when you patiently wait, or when you have to patiently wait? Are we even able to patiently wait? Do you doubt God? 
We live in this instant society. I don't have to wait for the Funk and Wagnalls encyclopedia salesman to come by my house to try and sell me encyclopedias anymore. I can just Wikipedia the thing, right? I can just Google it. The fact that Google is now like a... Is it a verb or a noun? Check me. Like a verb? Yeah, when you Google it? I don't know. I'm looking at Scott for an answer. He's like... 25 minutes is too long to wait. 25 minutes is too long to wait for a fulfilled promise, let alone 25 years. Do you doubt God? If we go back to Hebrews chapter 6 and you look at verse 18, I just want to clarify for you something. There's two unchangeable things. The first... It is impossible for God to lie. It is impossible. Say that, everyone. It is impossible for God to lie. His promises, what he says, they are true. And they will take place. They will be fulfilled. All of them. All of them. God's promises are always, always. Do you get that? God's promises are always, always. I didn't stutter. They are always, always. As believers, we need to live differently in this world. We need to live confidently that all of God's promises are always, always. Not lose heart, not be in despair because something isn't happening. The roller coaster ride of emotion that Kim and I rode. Why? Why in the world did we lose heart? Because at times we lost faith. At times we lost our trust. We gave up that hope. We need to live confidently that all of God's promises are always, always. We can't walk around defeated and honor our victorious God. Do you hear that? We can't walk around. People, if you're feeling defeated right now, if you're feeling beat down, if you're feeling broken because of the things that are going on around you, You need to understand that all of God's promises are always, always. And in that, he cannot lie. And so his promises will be fulfilled. And so regardless of the situation you find yourself in, the circumstances you may be dealing with right now, get up out of despair. Find the hope again because he is eternal and he is hope. And in him, we can trust everything. Do you find yourself in despair today? I I, I don't want to be a jerk and say, you know, stop it. But stop it. (laughs) And you can call me a jerk later. Or you can whisper to your spouse or whoever's beside you, just elbow him, like, he's a jerk. I'm a jerk, but I'm telling you the truth. He will not lie, his promises will be fulfilled. Quit looking at your circumstances and keep your eyes focused on God. God's promises are always, always. This is God, God our Father. His characteristics are that of truth and faith, hope, love. We need to believe all of his promises because he will not lie. What he says he will do, he will do. 
Maybe, maybe let's hold on to that for a minute. What he says he will do, he will. What he says he will do, he will. Okay. Get it in you. What he says he will do, he will do. He's not a liar. Just to cross-reference a little bit, go back, oh, old school, to Numbers. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. <laughs> well, we're selling the house. <laughs> so, Numbers, chapter 23, verse 19. God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and he will not fulfill it? God is not man that he should lie. Deuteronomy, another book over. Chapter 7. You can write these down if you can't flip there fast enough. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 8. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping... I I said that loud and I said that maybe a little ferociously. I'm sorry. God's love for you is ferocious. God's love for you is fierce. Because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore, the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Get this, to a thousand generations. To a thousand generations. The promise doesn't end with you. Some of you are looking at situations with your kids or your grandkids or your great-grandkids. Family members extended around the country, around the world. You're looking at situations. You need to understand God's promises don't end with you. His steadfast love continues But get this in you. God's timeline isn't our timeline. He's outside of time. If he's spoken a promise, it's already done. Even if we don't see it, it's already done. It's already been fulfilled. He can't go back on what he said. God's promises are always true. They will be fulfilled. This is the anchor that we grab tightly to. The anchor that's spoken of that we have a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place. What are the promises of God for us, for you? Abraham made the mistake with Ishmael, yet God fulfilled the promise with Isaac. What does that mean for us? Well, truth be told, we all make mistakes. I'm sure I can get at least one amen there. We all make mistakes. Tried to get ahead of God's plan. Tried to do things on our own. We've messed up. Yet God's promises are always, always. According to one person's count within this book, There are 3,573 promises. 
3,573 promises from God about you, about your family, about your marriage, about the work that you do, about the life that you live. 3,573. And all of them are true. All of them are fulfilled. God can do the impossible. It's in the Bible. Luke 18, 27. You can write this stuff down. Maybe you don't have to turn there, but you can write these things down. The references, go back to them, read them later in case you think I'm lying. Luke 18, 27. But he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. God's promise, he, he promises us a new heart and forgiveness. Ezekiel 36, 26 reminds us that he will give us a new heart and put a new spirit within us. He'll take the heart of stone out of us and give us a heart of flesh. God promises our sins will be far removed from us. Psalm 103, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions, that's sin, from us. He's promised the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 23, or 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, that's patience. Long-suffering is a better word for it when you're in the middle of being patient. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. We're promised the Holy Spirit in Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father, your Heavenly Father, give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? All your needs are supplied. All your needs are supplied. Philippians 4.19 And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.32 tells us that he, did not, he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall we not with him also freely give us all things? God does not hold anything back that is for your benefit or good. Psalm 84, verse 11. For Jehovah God is our light and our protector. He gives us grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk along his paths. We have the promise of health and healing. We have the promise of health and healing. Hear me. Jeremiah thirty seventeen. For I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds, says the Lord. Wisdom was one of God's promises. James 1, 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, throw your hands in the air. <laughs> Let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him, her, us. God has promised peace. Isaiah 26, verse 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. God has promised victory over temptations. Hear me if you're struggling right now. Man, I just want to hit the bottle. Or I just want to hit that person. Or I can't do this anymore. Or I want to click on that link. God has promised you victory over temptations. 1 Corinthians 10, 
verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape. If you're tempted, start looking for the way of escape because he's provided it to you that you may be able to bear it. God has promised deliverance from fear. Psalm 34, 4, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. Jesus has promised that he will come again. John 14, verses 2 and 3. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be. He's promised an end to death, sorrow, and pain. Revelation 21.4 And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com.